Hello everyone, welcome to the Like the World Podcast, and I'm your host, LT World, and on this channel we talk about the things people don't like to talk about. We talk about politics, we talk about religion, and we talk about ideologies. If that sounds like something you're into, join us as we take a look at the things that drive culture. Do you really despise religious belief? I despise people whose belief in religion is so firm it justifies killing people. Inside, 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult had taken their own lives. Once in a while I get people that really claim they don't believe in evolution. And my response generally is, oh, why not? We can't even begin to describe a living creature in anything resembling precise terms. Where do the laws of physics come from? It's, it's a question that doesn't work for me on multiple levels of analysis. Does God exist? There are many beautiful things in this world of ours. Things that capture our eyes. Many natural wonders that are just awe-inspiring. Such as the Grand Canyons, the Northern Lights, Niagara Falls. But we too are able to make things that we would call beautiful. Pieces of wonderful art like the Mona Lisa or amazing buildings like the Sistine Chapel. I mean, there's even, we would even consider human beings beautiful in many cases. According to People's Magazine, Paul Rudd was considered the hottest man alive in 2021. And according to Maxim Top 100, Paige Speranak, I don't know if I said that name right, probably not, but either way, apparently she is a beautiful woman according to Maxim Top 100. It's easy to see that there's many things that we call beautiful. And it's hard to describe what beauty really is besides maybe a sort of feeling it invokes in us, maybe the, the feeling of awe or just some sort of sense it gives us. A lot of people would describe it as desirable beauty, something that catches our attention. But what does this have to do with God? Many people make the case that without God, you wouldn't have beauty. It kind of goes like this. Here's a a three-step argument to how people will normally say beauty is a case for God. So proposition number one, if God does not exist, objective beauty and human perception of it would not exist either. Now, point two, objective beauty and human perception of it does exist. Point three, therefore God must exist. So this is the way that people will traditionally sort of propose the idea that that beauty defends the existence of God. C.S. Lewis proposes a sort of similar argument in his book, The Weight of Glory, and it's a little bit more poetic and less structured and simplified as the one I presented. And I'm going to read a bit of it just to give you an idea of how C.S. Lewis presented it in a more poetic, fashionable way. This is C.S. Lewis speaking, talking about beauty. We cannot tell it because it is a desire for something that has never actually appeared in our experience. We cannot hide it because our experience is constantly suggesting it, and we betray ourselves like lovers at the mention of a name. Our commonest expedient is to call it beauty, and behave as if that had settled the matter. Wordsworth's expedient was to identify it with certain moments in his own past, but all this is a cheat. If Wordsworth had gone back to those moments in the past, he would not have found the thing itself, but only a reminder of it. What he remembered would turn out to be itself a remembering. The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them, it only came through them, and what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshippers. For they are not the thing itself, they are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. That is an excerpt from C.S. Lewis's book, 
The Weight of Glory, where he presents this idea that we call beauty, the beauty that we experience in this world, is merely a whiff of something much deeper and transcendent that is more objective and the real thing, the real beauty that we are actually pursuing after. So that's how C.S. Lewis presents the beauty argument in his book. And he expounds upon it further. I just didn't read all of it. Not everyone agrees with C.S. Lewis or other theistic thinkers that beauty necessarily requires there to be a god or necessarily points as evidence for God. Oftentimes, one of the first contentions is beauty is subjective. You can't have objective beauty, which is the first claim of the argument. Beauty is, after all, in the eye of the beholder, as many people say. Many people find things that beautiful, while other people don't find those same things beautiful. And some people have taste for, in the case of relationships, some people find certain type of women or men more attractive than other certain types of women or men, and vice versa. There is a subjective taste when it comes to beauty. And therefore, the case goes that you can't have objective beauty if beauty is subjective to the eye of the beholder. And we know this from experience. We know this from just people's tastes and from observation. Therefore, it doesn't make sense to claim that beauty is objective. And this would seem to be the case based on people's different tastes. Not only that, beauty isn't just seemingly uh, subjective to people's own tastes and what they enjoy looking at or what they enjoy experiencing. It also could actually hold a survival element to it. So many atheists will make the case that what we may call beauty is actually just the development of evolution. It's something that helps us survive. Well, let's take, for instance, beauty, sexual beauty, the attraction of male and female to one another. That type of beauty is great for reproduction purposes. It, it, it creates a desire for reproduction, which then allows a species to propagate and move on and continue on surviving. So there could be definitely an element of beauty that allows for survival. Even things that we would consider repulsive or ugly, the opposite of beautiful, can be used for survival. In the case, if we see something that's rotten, it it creates in us a repulsion, it creates in us something ugly. And therefore, it tells us not to eat that rotten fruit or to avoid that certain creature or something like that. Beauty and ugliness can actually help us survive and help, help us move forward and perpetuate our 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 kind, if you will. Therefore, there can actually even be a survival element to beauty that comes through evolution. And these two points seem to be very persuasive. They they are very consistent with what we can observe, and they make sense from a common sense practical level. Now, there are some objections to these claims that I will jump into right now. Sean McDowell, who is a Christian apologist, much like C.S. Lewis was back in his day, argues that this isn't necessarily the case, that beauty isn't subjective. He goes on to say that beauty, even though there may be different tastes, there may be different sort of, um, the details may be different for each person, everyone will acknowledge that beauty is a thing. That everyone will say beauty, beauty is something that we can all agree on that objectively exists. So therefore, there is an objectivity to beauty. He even went as far as to say that there's certain things that everyone finds beautiful, even if their idea of what beauty may look like is a little bit different within those certain things. So everyone finds paintings beautiful, but they may prefer abstract over real or realistic paintings over abstract. But he says everyone finds paintings beautiful to us to one extent or another. So Sean McDowell would argue that there is actually an objective ground floor to beauty, if you will. And a way to kind of see it, or a way he kind of presented it by what I remember from what I listened to and what I read about from him, 
was this idea of like historians kind of looking into the past. There was an objective true past event that occurred, but the articles of evidence that these two historians picked up are different that led them to the same sort of conclusion that this event occurred. So they may not have agreed on all the evidence or they may not have all had all the evidences, but they could all agree that this historical event occurred based on the different evidences that they picked up and discovered. And another analogy kind to use in this scenario is thinking, thinking of it as like collar, for instance. Not everyone is able to see collar. Some people have it, have it that their eyes are only able to see black and white or they're not able to see certain collars or two collars look alike, stuff like that, collar blindness, if you will. That does not mean that collar does not exist. It does not mean that collar is, no, is now purely subjective. It means that color now can, is, is only experienced in different ways by different people, but color, the color spectrum is still objective and still is fully itself. So in a similar way, people would argue from a beauty standpoint that beauty, people may not be able to perceive all kinds of beauty that are out there, but everyone can perceive some sort of beauty somewhere, pointing to the objective beauty that is out there i.e. God. So that's sort of the way that people from a theistic standpoint will argue against the subjective case of beauty. Sean McDowell will also go on further to talk about how he finds it difficult to believe that evolution would produce beauty, mainly because he says beauty is not necessary for survival and shows no actual need for survival. So in the case of, he said, his example is a sunset. Finding a sunset beautiful does nothing for human survival. And there's nothing that can be gained from finding a sunset beauty beautiful, as well as other things in nature that we find beautiful that aren't necessarily beneficial for survival. And going even deeper than that, beauty is not necessarily necessary as far as survival would go, even from some of the examples I gave earlier. So let's think, take, for example, sexual beauty. Yes, sexual beauty is commonly experienced among humans, at least, we know from our own personal experience that we find people beautiful, and that can help lead to reproduction and help a survival of a species. But is the experience of beauty actually necessary for that to occur? It could be the case where people would have a desire or an urge to do something without the experience of beauty or the allness of beauty. In many cases, we could even be like animals where we go into heat and that just that that heat draws us to one another to reproduce. So beauty would not necessarily be necessary as a desire. So let's take, for instance, food. Oftentimes I am hungry for food and I have a desire for food. And when I see food, though, and I eat it, I don't necessarily think it's beautiful. I just have a need that needs to be fulfilled. Beauty is not necessary for me to fulfill that need, just that desire for food. So beauty, the, the experience of beauty may not actually be necessary for survival. And in many things that we find beautiful aren't perceptually necessary for survival either. And that's one of the big issues though with that claim is that just because we don't know how something is helping us survive doesn't mean it isn't helping us survive. So just because we lack evidence that finding a sunset beautiful doesn't help us survive doesn't mean there isn't something helping us survive or used to help us survive in the past that we just don't know about finding a sunset beautiful. But that is going to cause for much speculation, which we don't have time for on this podcast. 
because people can speculate for ages about what may or may not have helped us in an evolutionary process. However, those are some of the main arguments presented about the beauty argument. There is one more I want to cover before coming to a conclusion in this video, and that is another case that is made by a woman named Rebecca Goldstein, who also argued that there, the beauty argument does not prove God's existence or does not lend itself to there being a God. She has a PhD in the philosophy of science, and she makes a case that, our, that humans by necessity will find our world and universe beautiful because it is lawful and organized and the only universe capable for us to survive in. Therefore, by necessity, we will find it beautiful. I find this argument not very compelling because I think it still kind of falls under a similar rebuttal as Sean McDowell's. Just, that we, just because we can acknowledge or observe that a universe is lawful in order and that it allows for us to survive doesn't necessarily mean we have to have the experience of beauty. I could, in a sense, ex acknowledge in an, a sort of apathetic way, without any sort of strong emotional appeal or feeling, that the universe is lawful, organized, and capable for me to survive in. And I would still be perfectly fine to survive without ever experiencing any sort of beauty or awe or attraction towards that idea. I would just be like, the universe is lawful and organized and in perfect shape for me to survive. Okay, that's what it does. And just live my life, not or not even knowing that in the first place. Either way, the experience of beauty would not necessarily be necessary for me to survive and would not by itself necessitate for me to find it beautiful. The experience of beauty is still something that's sort of mysterious in of itself. But that is another argument that is presented by people who are more of the atheistic tendency. Now, after kind of reviewing both sides, kind of looking at the arguments, I tend to fall towards the side that beauty does point to God, even though I would not say that it is the strongest argument out there. I am hard-pressed to find most things that are metaphysical, um, such as emotions, experiences, consciousness, morals, truth, stuff like that. It's hard. I'm hard-pressed to believe that a naturalistic world without any sort of spiritual element at all could produce any of these things. I don't think it's really possible from a general perspective. But beauty particularly, I think I'm hard-pressed to find any sort of evolutionary need for beauty. I don't think the cases and examples of here really give me a good reason to believe that evolution would produce an experience of beauty. And also, normally when we experience beauty in the case of art and design, we find beauty in things that are created and thought about and actually labored over. So I would find a painting by Van Gogh much more beautiful than a scribbled drawing from a three-year-old because there's something objectively more beautiful about well-thought-out art than there is just random drawings by a child because there is some sort of objective beauty there. We can acknowledge skill and so forth. So I am hard-pressed to believe that beauty is simply a phenomenon that we experience in our brains because of neurons and, drug and, and chemicals in our brain. But that is the conclusion I've come to. Observe the arguments for yourself and see what you think. But thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me on this show. If you Again, if you enjoy what you hear and stuff, continue to follow along. Leave comments down below. If you like what you hear, leave ratings down below on this podcast. 
um, helps boost the SEO and stuff if you want to keep seeing more content like this and keep this podcast going. And again, I don't do this, I don't do this too often, but I am just grateful for you guys and thankful for everyone who listens. And I hope you guys keep enjoying this podcast, keep sharing it with others, and just keep lighting the world, my friends. So go out there and light the world and have a great day. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about how to light the world, subscribe to whatever podcast platform you're listening to and follow along because we would love to have you and we continue to cover topics like this down the road and you can grow in your understanding and in your knowledge of these different important topics that we deal with every day. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. On these outlets, I ask questions, I run polls, people can DM me and I'm going to do some more special content on there anyway. So definitely follow along there and join the Light the World community. And you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel if you like video content and I post some extra videos on there occasionally. So follow along, join the community and we're going to have a good time learning more about the important topics of life.